The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of Red Leg Nation Radio, episode number 203. I'm Chad Dotson. With me again this week, my buddy Jason Linden. Jason, do you love you some Reds baseball? Uh, uh, I love baseball. <laughs> I love baseball. Baseball's fun. Baseball is fun. Jason, Jason, let me just ask you this. Could the first uh, couple of weeks of the season have gone any worse? Uh, yes. Really? There are universes in which things are worse. That universe where instead of winning two of the first 12 games, the Reds have won zero? Right. And then the universe where they've maybe won two out of 12, but like, you know, Nick Senzel's, like, all of his toes fell off. Oh, I hate that universe. <laughs> you know, there, there are worse possibilities. That's the I worst think, universe. I think percentile-wise, we're pretty low in terms of how much worse oh, we get. But there are worse. There are, there's, there's always something worse. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna hope you're right about that because I'm not entirely sure at this point because the Reds oh my goodness the first couple of weeks have been just uh, just about as bad as I ever could have expected. Now Jason and I uh, are generally fairly upbeat about the prospects for the Reds and and for those of you that tune in for that <laughs> that analysis. We're still there. We're going to talk about it later. Um, there are many reasons still to be optimistic about this season. But let's go ahead and dig into this awful first week, which is going to inevitably lead us to a discussion of one uh, Brian Price. Yes. You want to talk about Brian Price, Jason? Well, uh, let's start with the bad start, because I just got um, sent a, a piece of information from uh, a sports writer at the Courier-Journal telling me that the uh, named Kenzie Winstead, we should give him credit, uh, telling me that the Reds are having their worst start since 1955 right now. Um, would you like to hear the silver lining to that cloud, Chad? There is a silver lining? There is. I just looked it up as we were introing. There is, in fact, a silver lining. In 1955, which is the last time the Reds started at least this poorly, they actually only finished the season four games under 500. And the following year, in 1956, they won 91 games. Hey, we'll take that. That's... That you know, I that and actually, you know, that really does drive home how much like two weeks of games in the grand scheme of a baseball season can mean very little. Um, yeah, it's you know, really a panic because the stats all look so bad. But this is not three months worth of stats. This is two weeks of stats. Oh, it's bad. It's been really, really bad. But you cannot really draw any grand conclusions about how this team's going to finish by the way they've started the first you know twelve games. I think that's the point, right? Yeah, the only thing we can say for certain is that um, the most games they can win is uh, 153. <laughs> Jason, I'm here to tell you, they're not going to win a game over 149. Chad. I know, I'm pessimistic. 
optimistic, my friend. <laughs> okay, so we're having a little fun, and you sort of have to laugh because it has been bad. Let's run through some of the things that have been awful so far before we get to the reasons why we're not uh, giving up on the season just yet. Okay, the Reds uh, only won two of their first, uh, we're assuming, 12 games. I'm assuming since they just walked in their third straight uh, runner tonight, we're recording on Thursday night. Um, two uh, rookies have com- come into a one-run game in the seventh inning, and uh, two guys that have made their Major League debut just this week, Zach Weiss and Tanner Rainey, and now it was a 6-5 game, now it's 9-4, to and still bases loaded and no outs. Goodness gracious, it's getting Wait. worse. Okay. <laughs> Here are my, here's my sort of laundry list of reasons why it's been bad. Okay, injuries to uh, several important pitchers: Di Sclafani, Finnegan, uh, Lorenzen, Hernandez, the free agent signing. Um, Which he should be back soon, right? Yes, 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 and Finnegan as well. Uh, Lorenzen, Di Sclafani, not so sure. Um, this one you you really can't sort of say is is bad luck, but. Giovanni Gallardo was signed to a $750,000 major league contract, and for some reason our intrepid manager insisted on actually pitching him in close games. Okay, that's, that's one of the things that have gone wrong. Scott Schebler, Eugenio Suarez, to me, two of the better offensive players in the organization, both hit by pitches, both injured, both out. Schebler's supposed to be back soon, but Suarez, and Suarez is supposed to be back relatively soon, as what the news was today, within the month. But uh, those two guys out of the lineup, and... Yeesh, all of a sudden, it's a just miserable start to the year. Uh, some of it's bad luck, though, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. When was the last? I can't remember paying attention to a team that had, within the first week of the season, two players effectively put on the disabled list from hit-by-pitches. Right, I mean, that is the very definition of bad luck. Yeah. I mean, it's, that stuff happens. You lose players to injuries. You're always going to have that happen. But man, just you know, in the first, less than you know, like a week and a half, basically into the season, two yeah. uh, two guys that you're really counting on are gone. And, you know, fortunately, these don't seem to be long term injuries, so they should both be back. Shebler, especially, relatively soon. They're saying Suarez. It sounds like about a month or so, um, which is kind of the best case scenario. Yeah, you know, yeah. The way we so. looked at it when it first happened. So yeah, I mean, and there, there's. The flip side of that's why we're sort of optimistic still, which is that they'll be back. They'll be back before you know it. You don't know why I'm optimistic, baseball, or Chad. (laughs) Tell me why. Baseball. Because there is baseball today, and there will be baseball tomorrow, and that will be true for a very long time. That is true. That is true. And I think that um, I just keep telling myself that last year – the Los Angeles Dodgers lost 11 in a row at one point. Now, imagine if that happened in the first couple of weeks, but it didn't. Reds are pennant winners compared to that. <laughs> they lost 11 in a row. They went. If I'm, year, they were bad. If, if I'm not wrong, they went like 1 and 18 during a stretch last year. The Los Angeles Dodgers, who won 104 baseball games. That's why, you know, I, it's been bad. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's been awful the first two weeks. Yeah. And. and and so let's not pretend otherwise, but there's your proof that if you ever you needed it, that the season's not over yet. Now, this may be who this team is. I don't think it is. It may be, but you you can't say that right now because even the very best teams have bad stretches during a long, long season. 
Yes, I agree. That's, you know, it, yeah. I, you know, one of the things that frustrates me, and that happens every year, and I tell myself not to get frustrated by it, but I can't help it. It's just like, the way, it's like we live in like a football sports culture. So it's like a three three game, if you come out of the gate and lose three in a row, it's the end of the world. And it's just like, have you people ever watched baseball before? Do you not know how this works? I mean, I'm not saying it's great, but it's not the end of the world. It's not fun, but the Reds could very well, and people are going to say I'm crazy, but it would not be anywhere near the most surprising thing I would bet to happen in the baseball season this year um, if the Reds turned around and won eight games in a row starting tomorrow. Yes. You're not, I mean, I, I assume you're not predicting that. Um, no. I, I'm not predicting it either, but that's, that's the thing that gets me. It's been awful. We can, we can admit that it's been just a garbage start to the season while also saying, guys, we've got hun- over 100 years, 150 years almost, of professional baseball to show that this does not define who this team is necessarily. You said 1955, the team before that, when I guess we were, the Reds were, I don't know, two and nine, maybe the last team to, or maybe it was one and eight when they were one and eight, the last team to start one and eight for the Reds was the 1995 Reds who went to the national League championship series. So, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, this team is probably not going to win 91 games. Well, they might win 91 games next year. They're probably not going to go to the National Championship Series this year. But you just you, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's let the season play out just a little bit. I, I think that's a reasonable way to look at it. Even And you can still be upset about the way things are going now. Yeah. While realizing that this is not necessarily who this team is. Yeah, there are a lot of people who seem to want to just burn it down. And it's like, whoa, 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 take your foot off the gas there, cowboy. Yeah, I think people suggest it's time to start the next rebuild. Yeah, no, it's not. Come on. And I've been more frustrated than most, mostly thanks to uh, Brian Price. Uh, But I think you can be frustrated. That's the point I'm trying to make. I'm not telling anybody to be happy about this. But just don't let it change the my opinion about this team is the exact same that it was two weeks ago before the season started i would agree i I would agree i would like them to start winning some games just because it would be more fun but i i generally agree the the only part that i think really i guess i'm much more frustrated let me just put it this way i'm not happy with the start but i could live with this start because a lot of it is due to the fact that a lot of players, good players, are either injured or not playing well. Joey Votto's not hitting well yet, you know. No. Um, Luis Castillo's not being the guy that he's going to be just yet. Uh, and we can go, we can go up and down the lineup and, and and say that all that. So that's part of it. And if that were all, if that were the only thing, I think I could live with it. But this Brian Price nonsense the first two weeks, man, I'm frustrated. Are you frustrated, Jason? I, I'm I am frustrated. Are you I'm frustrated there. that a six four game in the top of the seventh is now, or a five four game, I guess, in the in the top of the seventh is now a twelve to four game? That is rather frustrating. <laughs> what do you think about Brian Price? I mean, what do we make of Brian Price? His, I, don't, I don't know the answer to that, but decisions they just don't make any sense. Like, I mean, any decision in a in a vacuum can be rationalized. You can, you, any particular decision, you can say, well, A and B and C, therefore he did this. But in general, 
you know, we, you get to a point where you have a preponderance of evidence that suggests that he just does not know. Like, I don't know if he can't keep his head about him or what it is, but his in-game management decisions are, at this point, we have to say, objectively bad. I think there's no question. Here's the question I want to ask you, because this is something that people have sort of said to me, and I suppose it's reasonable. I want to know what your opinion is of it. Some people said, well, these moves he's been making, they're the same moves he's been making the last three years. Why are you upset now? Do you buy that? To some extent, and the only thing I would say to that is that I feel like now, while he has not a perfect roster, he has a roster where there are clearly like good and bad options. You know, the la- a lot of the last three years, especially where the pitching staff has been concerned, it's been really a question of, you know, what kind of garbage do you want to smell today? <laughs> um, whereas now it's much more, there are some good pitchers in the bullpen. You know, he has good options. Um, you know, there's just, there's no excuse for Iglesias and Garrett to go as long between appearances as they've gone. When the Reds been really, frankly, for all the losses and a lot of, Fairly close games. Yeah. Or at least games that before, you know, uh, a rookie and or washed up pitcher has come in to let the game get out of hand, they've been close games. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's I think, the thing that, that I would say to refute that is just that the difference is, yes, uh, he's made some questionable decisions, but one pile of garbage versus another pile of garbage is not a decision I can concern myself with. Like, um, you know, steak versus raw hamburger that somebody left on the counter for four days. That I will take an issue with. (laughs) I can't believe you just called Giovanni Gallardo raw hamburger that someone left on the counter. Piece that together, Chad. (laughs) Your your reaction to that question is – sort of a corollary to mine, which is that the last three years, you know, I really, I didn't expect the Reds to win. It was going to be nice if they did. And I was hopeful that they would, but I never really expected them to be, you know, in the race to be competitive. And this year though, while I don't necessarily expect the Reds to be in the playoff race, this is the year where everybody from Joey Votto to Dick Williams to Brian Price have said, this is the year we're going to take a step forward. Nobody wanted to put a number on the wins and losses, but they all said there's got to be progress in terms of wins and losses. And so I guess in my – the way I've looked at it is this year, even if he's making the same mistakes, it's a year where it, it matters a little more to me. Yeah. Uh, the wins matter more this year in some yeah. ways. And, and yeah. I, I, go ahead. No, I was going to say I would agree. Like I, I need him to be managing in a, in a, in a rational way, and <laughs> I don't think we've seen that. Yeah, when you're you're managing to maybe develop players or whatever your reasons are during the middle of the rebuild, that's one thing. But when it's time to start managing to win games, and he's sort of doing a hybrid of that because – or we're expecting a hybrid because he still needs to play the young players. Yeah. But uh, even if if that may not be the best option sometimes. But still, we're expecting a little more focus on actually winning baseball games. And to me, he is – Brian Price is consistently putting the Reds in a worse position – to win games, and that is just frustrating me to no end. Let me let me talk about what really when it boiled over for me. I you know I've I've I have defended Brian Price in the past. I thought he thought outside the box in his first couple of years here. I thought there was a chance he could develop into a really sort of thinking man's manager. It's not happened. But last weekend uh, when they were playing the Pirates, 
and they lost that game 14 to three. It just sort of bubbled over for me. And I had the recap for Red Leg Nation that night and I had some things I just had to get off my chest. I mean, first of all, the signing of Giovanni Gallardo to this major league contract, you can't blame Brian Price for that. You know, I'm a big fan of this current front office in a lot of ways, but this, that, that's just inexplicable putting that guy on the roster. And we should say, because I, I, I found this, I don't know if you happen to see this particular Twitter discussion, but apparently he was on a split contract, so the Reds are only on the hook for 60000 or whatever for his like service time. Yes, that but, is, that's true, because he's been designated for assignment now. So the, yeah. and, and that was something I did not, it was not reported initially that it was a split contract. Yeah. So that's... But that, that decision made no, no, no sense. I don't know why on earth anybody would give... Giovanni Gallardo. The corpse of Giovanni Gallardo. Why you would even think? What? Like, I don't, it it makes (laughs) no sense. It's like, it's worse than bringing back the corpse of Bronson Arroyo, because at least you understood that Bronson Arroyo's detached arm was only there to save the young pitchers from getting abused too much. And plus he was fun. He's a real legend, but yeah. I have no positive feelings about Gallardo at all. I've got negative ones. He's been a brewer. Against the Reds, and it was a pain in the butt. All right. So, so it makes it a little less bad that it was a split contract, which means they're not out 750000 They're out you know, 60000 or whatever. But still, yeah. just putting him on the roster. You know who I would have rather had on the roster this year, right now? If you give me a choice between these two players, who I would rather have had than Giovanni Gallardo this year? Luis Alberto. Bonilla. I bet you he's a better relief pitcher than Gallardo is. I guarantee he'd be better than Gallardo. And, and we, we sort of poke a little fun at Lisalberto Bonilla. But yeah, he's absolutely better than Giovanni Gallardo. And I think everyone hey, w- would have known that. Well, while we're, while we're going back, um, you know who absolutely had more potential and still, frankly, who the Reds don't have anymore? And basically because they just... Got rid of him for no apparent reason, but absolutely has more potential than Gallardo. Tell Remember me, Keith Samson. Oh yeah, Kevius Samson. Kevius, yeah. Kevius. I don't know how you pronounce it. I don't know. He was all. He was. He was not an entirely complete disaster, and he had really good minor league numbers. Yeah, Kevius Samson. <laughs> not no. as fun to say. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Um, so Giovanni Guerrero's gone, but listen I, again. I, I like Dick Williams. Um, I like this current front office mostly. I think that they're it's the, yeah. it's the best group that the Reds have had in a long time le- leading the club. But man, that one I don't get it. But but okay, he's on the roster. Let's say he's on the roster. Okay, you're gonna use him as a a mop up guy. You're down. What are they down tonight? Twelve to four. You throw him in to eat up some innings. Okay, I can probably live with it. But Brian Price used him the first two times they used him were that he he used him in games that were still you know, contested. <laughs> and uh, the the last time was that game against the Pirates that I talked about a moment ago. It was 4-2 to two at the time. Um, bottom of the sixth. The Reds are still in it. They'd, they'd threatened a few times. I mean, uh, decent chance they could break through. And uh, it, the game was 4-2 to two when he came in. It was 10-2 to two when he left. And it was over. He recorded one out. And, and, you know, it seems to me like everyone on earth should have known that putting Giardo in that game was just... Let's let's be kind and say it was risky. Um, 
But Brian Price thought that he was still the guy that was a decent starter a, a long time ago. And instead, he gives up six runs and a third of an inning, and we're done. And that's when I said to myself, oh, my goodness, this guy really does not have a clue. I, I, I really – yeah, I don't want to say that. I don't want to say that. He, he's a major league manager. He has to have some ability you know, to, uh, you well, know – Something I think that is a common mistake, wherein I think, I think it's an instance of fans having more in common with the managers and sometimes the front offices of teams than they think they do, but it's it's just slightly different. A lot of fans, despite mountains of evidence in front of them, if they remember rooting for a player when a player was good. That player has to be terrible for a long time before they will believe that that is a bad player. That's a great way to put it. Maybe um, we're, maybe like, we're closer to them than to the major league know, guys. The the amount of time it took fans to realize that Brandon Phillips was no longer an all star. Right. Um. You know the number of fans who insist that mm-hmm. Adam Duvall is going to be good forever, or that Scooter Jeanette is going to be good forever, and I'm sure they are fine human beings, and they have done great things for the Reds. But those are both such obvious candidates for regression. But you say it to certain people. I mean, you know, I ran the poll on Twitter for my column. Everybody wants Scooter Jeanette to start at second base. And I'm just like, why don't you start Alex Blandino at second base? He seems to me obviously a better candidate to to be good and then to continue to be good than Scooter Jeanette does. And let Jeanette be a super sub or whatever. But, like, then sometimes you have front offices who will bring these guys in and they were good. And you know the front office is like, man, if he can just recapture a little bit of that, boy, this will be a great signing. Except that he sucked for two years, and he still sucks. <laughs> yes. Well, okay, Blandino. That comes that circles right back around into my, my issues with Brian Price. When Eugenio Suarez was injured, and I put this in print uh, in the digital pages of Cincinnati Magazine, and I want to talk about the ultimate um, – I'm going to assume you didn't read that because you never read anything I write, but um, I want to talk about what that column said in just a moment because it feeds into all this. But basically the first part of it was Alex Blandino is coming to the majors. Alex Blandino is 25 years old. He he had a really good year with the bat last year. He's got a pretty good glove, maybe not a shortstop, but at second or third, he's got a pretty good glove. There's no reason whatsoever after he comes up until the point where you bring Nick Senzel up that Alex Blandino should not be playing third base for the Reds. And the first game Blandino was up, it was Cliff Pennington, I think, that day. And I'm like, well, okay, Blandino got to the park late. Let's let's give Price the benefit of the doubt, although he has not earned the benefit of the doubt at this point. Next night, Blandino starts. Okay, um, good. The night after that, it's Phil Goslin. And I'm thinking... What's the what's the point? Phil Goslin, who you know, he's a UVA guy, so he's you know after my own heart, but he's not going to be on the next good Reds team. He'll be thirty this year. Blandino, I don't know if he's going to be on the next good Reds team, but he might. And yeah. besides that, based on his minor league numbers, there's a pretty good chance that on any given night right now this year, he's going to be better than either Cliff Pennington or Phil Goslin. Oh, yeah, he is. He's better than either of them right now, and. I will almost totally agree with you. Like, I understand. Like, I see the case. This is going back to sort of Dusty Baker days. But you remember when Dusty would say that, like, he liked to let a player marinate, like, his first day in the leagues? Right. 
I can, you know, I can buy that. I kind of get that. Like, I get, like, sit on the bench, get used to where you are. If there's an inconsequential pinch hitting appearance late in the game, we'll throw you out there, get your first at bat out of the way. Like, and then the second day you can start. Like, I, you know, I can, I can buy that. That makes sense to me. Like, get yourself acclimated. All right. But once, once that's over, you start every day. If you are Alex Mandino, you start every single day, and there should be zero question about it. There's no argument against it. There's no legitimate argument against it. There's no argument to have Phil Goslin or Cliff Pennington playing third base over Alex Blandino right now. I mean, can, is there any argument? Can you think of any? I'm getting uh, upset, Jason. I can't think of any argument. No, there is no argument. You are correct. Oh, finally, we agree. So that night against the Pirates, that was the night that I just said, listen, okay, I'm washing my hands of Brian Price. In a minute, I'm gonna, I want to ask you about uh, my second point, which is, when I'm going to get really upset with the front office and the way they're conducting this rebuild. But that was the night I just said, look, I'm just done. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to call for Brian Price to be fired. That's not my role, and I'm never going to do it. He seems like a decent guy, although uh, Trent Rosecrans might disagree the way he uh, cursed him out that day. But, but yeah. I'm, I'm not wishing for anybody to lose their job. It's real life for Price. It's real life for his family. It's not my place uh, to scream that he should lose his job. But I will never... Never defend that guy ever again. And this is a guy that, you know, two and a half years ago wrote a piece um, that was headlined in defense of Brian Price. Uh, at that time, I thought, let's give him a chance. Well, he's had his chance. It, the Gallardo nonsense, completely indefensible. The uh, Blandino stuff, indefensible. Batting, it's my favorite player, Billy Hamilton, batting him lead off three different times, three different times against left handed pitchers. <laughs> Billy Hamilton has one of the worst on-base percentages ever. Well, not ever. Since 2002, one of the worst career on-base percentages versus left-handed pitchers of anyone in baseball. I love Billy Hamilton. Against right-handers, you can almost defend leading him off. Almost. Against left-handers, he has a career 266 on-base percentage. Brian Price led him off three times in the first week and a half against lefties. These are things, these are sort of like baseline uh, things that you have to be able to check off if you're a manager. And he can't even do the simple stuff. And so, not calling for him to be fired. That's not my role. But I will never again defend Brian Price. Now, am I being unreasonable? No. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm so conflicted about this because... It seems to me... And I could be wrong about this, but with really very few exceptions, there do not seem to be a lot of managers around who, for some reason, are capable of both making rational in-game decisions and having the players back them up. I don't know why this is, but it seems to be the case. Um, you know, Trent Rosecrans had this interview with Joey Votto, I think it was yesterday, where Votto defends Brian Price. And Joey Votto is a really smart guy. And if he's defending Brian Price, like if he feels moved to come forward and say these things rather than just like keep silent, which is what you can do when you're not super thrilled with somebody but don't want to say anything bad against them. Like that, I'm not going to say it puts me back in the Brian Price camp, but it's so hard. It, it's just, man, it's so hard, you know, I uh, 
we talk about this often enough. People, I assume, know that I get to sort of I'm press at, at, at Louisville Bats games here in, in town, and I, I got to talk with uh, Delino DeShields a lot over the last two years when he was still managing the Bats. He's a roving instructor now, and his in-game strategy would drive people nuts. Anybody who looked at the AAA lineup got grouchy about it. Like it drove people insane, and I agreed with virtually none of his in-game strategy. God, the players loved him. They loved him. They would do anything he asked them to do. And then sometimes you'd go and ask him questions, and he would give you an answer that you couldn't argue with. Like, well, if I bat so-and-so fourth, he tries to hit home runs. And he's not a home run hitter, so I don't bat him fourth. You know, I'm like, well, you can't argue with that. That makes sense. Like, you know, so it's one of those, like, why can't we have a guy who can both manage the humans who are part of the team while also making the decisions that are clearly the right decisions, especially with guys whose egos should not matter. Pennington's ego should not matter. Gallardo's ego should not matter. You want to protect, you know, uh, Senzel a little bit, or even like Duval or Jeanette a little bit. All right, cool. But, God, it's just so frustrating. That's, that's what I call the Dusty Baker corollary, which is basically that, I don't know what the percentage is. 75% of what a manager's job is, is stuff that we can't see. And, and I think that's a great argument for, it was an argument for Dusty Baker. It's an argument for Brian Price, even after that, after reading that article, I, I agree with you. I read the, the piece that Trent had in the athletic where Votto defended him. And, and it is a great reminder that we can't see most of what the manager does. And you and I talked about this some in the spring when, when Billy Hamilton was leading off early on, we were like, well, you know, okay. Billy Hamilton is a human, and he's got to manage these men and these personalities as well. That's part of his job. But and, and I could live with somebody that's really good at that part of the job, and I'm willing to believe Brian Price is really good at that part of the job. I don't know that he's not. I'm not in the clubhouse. I could live with that if he just <laughs> – his on-field decisions were just reasonable. I'm not going to – I don't have to agree with all of them. I'm never going to agree with all of them on any manager. I would if we'd had a podcast back when Sparky Anderson was the manager of the Reds, we'd have been on here being like, "Oh, what's he doing? You know, pinch hitting for George oh, why Foster." Why start his starting lineup? <laughs> yes, There's really. always a guy, a guy not not playing. What's that about? Yeah, why? You know, why is Johnny Bench not catching tonight? That's a big game. God, Wayne Krinchecki, I can't believe he's all in right. That. Slow your roll, Chief. We're not. This is a no <laughs> Krinchecki zone on the podcast. <laughs> but I think that's a good point you make that a lot of the manager's job is, and that's another reason why I'm not going to call for anybody's firing. He may be the best in the world at that part of the job that I can't see, but man, the part of the job I can see he's garbage at. And so I, I'm not going to defend him. I'm never going to defend yeah. him again. So yeah, I'm a finch. I'm officially in two. I think, uh, no comment territory on Brian price in general. Yeah. And, uh, in a broader and perfectly willing to criticize his in-game decisions at this point, I'm not defending him anymore. I will say that for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think the things that we can see, yeah, there's no defending. I, I'll also acknowledge when I think he does something right. You know, like last night, I tried to make a point on Twitter of saying that it seemed to me that Brian Price used his relievers exactly as he should have last night. You're defending Brian Price. I'm not. I'm oh, I'm acknowledging God. that he did what he was supposed to do. Oh, Which I, is that if you have a long game that's close, then in the twelfth inning, that's when you end up with Kevin Quackenbush out there because you've run out of everybody else. 
That's the title of this podcast. Jason defends Brian Price. Chadwick, Chadwick, Chadwick. <laughs> no, you're right. Uh, uh, I agree. I agree. But l- let's let's transition a little bit away from Brian Price because he makes my head really hurt. Let's transition to this front office, and I have def- I have defended the front office. They've made some mistakes. I think they've also done some. Uh, they're I think they're going in the right direction. I think they've done some really uh, really nice things, and I think Dick Williams, uh, for all the grief he gets. I think he's open-minded. I think that he is a uh, has a chance. He's just he's just started. You know, he's, he's not been GM long, but I think he has a chance to be a good one. But let me tell you this: Eugenio Suarez is hurt. I like Eugenio Suarez. He's a very good baseball player. Yes, he's hurt. He's going to be out for a little while. The Reds' top prospect is a guy named Nick Senzel. Nick Senzel is at Triple A Louisville. Nick Senzel is also a third baseman by trade, although as we've discussed before here on the podcast and at RedLegNation.com and on Twitter and everywhere else. Now, he's been trying to learn new positions. You and I have been giddy over the idea that he might be a shortstop, but he's by trade a third baseman. The Reds' third baseman is now injured. Going to be out for maybe a month. Hopefully just a month. Yeah. April the 13th is the day after which, if the Reds uh, call up Nick Senzel after April the 13th, they still get an extra year of team control on his contract at the at the back end, basically. If they call him up before that and he never goes back down, they lose a year before he hits free agency, basically. This, that's the short way to put it. So April the 13th, basically this, this week, the end of this week, Nick Senzel is free to be called up, and the Reds still get that extra year. Now, I'm not going to talk about the Super 2 stuff. You can go to RedLegNation.com. we got sort of a primer on all that. I think it's I think it's ridiculous to let that be a, a guiding, because then we're talking about not we're talking about money rather than yeah than than a year of con- team control. If Nick yeah. Senzel is not the third baseman in Cincinnati, starting Friday or Saturday, or if he's at least not on the roster, and then starting after that. We'll let him marinate for a day or two. If he's not, then I begin to have serious questions about the way this team is conducting this rebuild. Is that fair? Is it unfair? I think it's I think it's reasonably fair. I think it's know, completely fair, Jason. Come on, man. The only argument against it is that he did not have a particularly good spring, and he has not gotten off to a hot start in Louisville. That's the only argument against it, and it's not one that I'm particularly concerned about. Uh, I, I, I think you are, for the most part, correct. I definitely think you're correct about the Super 2 stuff. And let me just say that my official opinion is this. If the Miami Marlins are worth a billion dollars, no major league owner is ever allowed to complain about what they can and cannot afford. Yeah, you know, I think what you say about the way he did the spring, and, you know, I mean, he's still, uh, he's not spent that much time at AAA. That's all reasonable. But, yeah. but but my question is, is this a rebuild or isn't it? If the Reds are serious about this rebuilding process, they would give Eugenio's at-bats while he's injured to players who may be able to contribute to the next, what we call the proverbial next good Reds team. I mean, you want to talk about questionable roster things. It makes no sense to have Pennington and Goslin both on the team in the first place. You know, with, with, with Goslin, he's a UVA guy. i got to keep saying that because I can't say anything bad about a UVA guy. But... My th- thought with him, 
but since I interrupted you here, is that, well, maybe they have him on there as a guy that's easy to kick off the 40-man roster when it's time to bring Senzel up. That's my hope. That's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. it really is. It really um, is. It's the only, I mean, the only thing that makes sense. Um, well, yeah. uh, not having Blandino on the major league roster, so you can let him play every day. He's not going to play every day in the major leagues with you know, Suarez at the beginning of the season. I can see that. Maybe you want to let him play at least part of the season every day. Let him get some playing time. I guess I can buy that. Yeah. But at this point, with Eugenio out, I don't know. I just I see no reason why they shouldn't have let Blandino play until Friday, at which time you just turn the keys to that hot corner over to Sinzel until Suarez is back. You know, uh, playing that service time game, that made sense. I get it. Uh, why you would keep him down until, you know, Friday. Playing the Super 2 game, as I said in my piece, that just feels like a luxury the Reds can't afford at this point. It's 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 time to get Senzel there. And then no one else but Senzel or Blandino should play third base until Suarez returns. And in the meantime, if you want to stick uh, Blandino especially, but either one of them in at second base, uh, you know, as a, a substitute or something, give him some, some time there, that's fine. This is a rebuild. Yeah. But, but I just don't see... I do not see any other reasonable options for a team that's looking to develop young players. And no, I, I agree. I mean, Nick Senzel has done nothing but destroy the minor leagues since he was drafted. Um, yeah, it, let's let's see what let's see what the kids got. Okay, but what about this? What if, as we've already seen, Goslin and Pennington have been playing third this week? Um, Let's say the Reds don't call up Sinzel, and by the time that uh, some of you are listening to this, that may be the case. Gosh, I hope not. Oh, I hope not. But let's let's say that they don't call up Sinzel on Friday. My position is that we've been, you and I both, have been really trying to talk people off the ledge. Don't overreact. You know, it's uh, any good team even could start bad like this, and it's happened before. It's even happened to the Reds organization before. But if they don't call up Sinzel on Friday. To me, all bets are off. I I, I just I, I will not be able to understand on the heels of that Gallardo nonsense and all that. I I just I will not be able to figure out what this team is doing. Yeah, is it fair to question the way the Reds have conducted the rebuilding process? Is I guess is the question I'm asking you. If Sinzel's not up, if he's not up soon, yeah. You know, I would I would be more one hundred percent in the camp if he'd started off well at Louisville or whatever. But so as it is, I'm like ninety two percent in that camp. Um, so I'm most of the way there. Um, I agree, but listen, yeah, we, we know who Sincel is. The his Fred, the slow start doesn't change who Sincel is. Call him up and let him start, and let's see what happens. And if he's and it turns out he's not let ready, I do not get the impression that Nick Sincel is gonna be like oh i can't play baseball anymore like send him down and let him figure it out and then bring him up when he's ready that's what i'm saying if he's if he scuffles okay a lot of guys do when they first come up to the big leagues suarez comes back he sends Zell back down let him play second base shortstop third base wherever you want to let him play but but right now we've got this sort of block of playing time that's going to be available for the next month and it's just ludicrous it's absolutely indefensible and Dick Williams, I know you're not listening to me. And if you are, you'll probably send me an email yelling at me. If Nick Senzel's not up, it, I just, I'm done. I, well, I'm not done. I don't want to say that. I think this is a pretty good front office. But that's one that I just don't think. I, I, don't, I, I can't 
I can't find any reason not to have Senzel up. Get Nick Senzel up, Jason. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, it's it's just it's time to be it's time to be proactive. It just is, and that's that. And do it. There's like no, yeah. I, I you know I am much happier at this point. Like you know, Sal Romano was not real good tonight. I'm much happier watching Sal Romano occasionally not be real good than I was watching Scott Feldroyo, <laughs> or I should say Tim Feldroyo to get his name completely right. There you go, right. You know, throw a quadzillion mediocre to terrible innings for the Reds last year. Because for the same reason, that even if Senzel struggles, the same reason, hey, we're seeing something. We're seeing the progress. We're seeing the Reds turn the corner. Seeing these guys that might be on the next good Reds team, and it's that's exciting. And yeah, you know, I don't know if they're going to fire Brian Price uh, as a way to, as a PR move, but Nick Senzel's going to be a great PR move too. Hey, here's well, the future, guys. While we're talking about questionable roster decisions, can I get on a personal soapbox right here? Oh my goodness, Jason, this is not your personal soapbox. This is Red Leg Nation Radio episode number two hundred and three. Well, can I get on a soapbox on Red Leg Nation Radio episode number two hundred and three? Oh sure, buddy, absolutely, no problem. Okay. <laughs> Amir Garrett needs to start somewhere. Oh, my goodness. AAA, I don't care if it's for the Reds. Get his butt out of the bullpen. Get him starting games. The only time he has not been an excellent pitcher is when he was apparently hurt. Start him now. What is that all about, Jason Linden? I don't know. I'm getting upset again. clearly one of the best, like, one of the best three or four pitchers in the system. It makes no sense to have him in the bullpen at all. He scuffled a little bit tonight of the pen, but otherwise he's been brilliant. Yeah. He had a brilliant spring. The yeah. only time he wasn't brilliant was when his hip was hurt. Yeah. And he's the oldest of these young pitchers. I just, that's another one that I don't know if that's on price. I don't know if it's on the front office. Ultimately, it's on all of them. But why is this guy not starting games? He's he's the oldest of these these young guys. Why aren't we seeing what he's got? I would rather have either Molly or Romano in AAA and Amir starting, or I would rather have Finnegan in the pen and Amir starting, period. Absolutely. I would honestly, I'd rather have Homer in the pen and Amir starting. Maybe, yeah. I mean, I see that. To me, I'm I'm like the only guy I feel like that still thinks that Brandon Finnegan can be a good starting pitcher. I think almost everyone seems to – be in the camp that he's going to be a reliever. And I think he could be a great reliever if, he's, if that's what it, where he ends up. I still think he can be. But if you're giving me a choice between the two, I think at this point I'd rather see what Garrett can do, uh, even if it means it's at the expense of Brandon Finnegan. Who can be a – I mean, either one of those yeah. guys could be lights-out right. relievers. I mean, listen, there, there is zero doubt that Brandon Finnegan is a major league pitcher. It's just a question of where he will be the most effective. Yeah. No, I think I think that he's going to be a great reliever if that's where he ends up. I mean, I think he's yeah. got the stuff to be a, just a really superb reliever. I still think he can be a starter, but health is an issue. But Garrett, I mean, I just don't understand why we're waiting to find out if he is a starter. Well, we know he's a starter. He's always been a good starter. Here's what I think American Garrett should do. You, you, you want to take some notes here, Jason? Maybe you can pass them along to your buddies in the Reds organization. Sure, I'll take some notes. You know, Amir Garrett used to be a basketball player. He played Division One college basketball. I think Amir Garrett should go ahead right now, today, and declare for the NBA draft. And just tell the Reds, listen, okay, I love you guys. I got to start. 
Let me start. If not, I'm just I'm going to go to the NBA. <laughs> you, think, you think that's a reasonable uh, career choice for him? I think that would be a bad career to say. Probably for not a great idea. Probably not a great idea. Did I ever tell you about the time when I was a junior in college, or as we call it at UVA, a third year? And I went ahead and sent in my uh, early entry uh, facts back then. In those days, my facts to the NBA. I faxed them my uh, that I was that I was going pro early as a junior. People at UVA are weird. That's all I can say. Yeah, I was an awful basketball player, but still, I thought, hey, look, I'm going to declare for the NBA draft. Didn't get drafted, but I <laughs> gave up my last year of eligibility. That was brave of you, Chad. I wasn't real smart, was it? I gave up my last year of eligibility. Who knows? UVA's coach could have walked by and said, hell, man, I'll look at this what, Chad, I'll, I'll say this. <laughs> I know. I was, a, I was a good intramural player. You never know. <laughs> coach could have come by and, and watched some intramurals and said, oh, look at this guy. Let's put him in at shooting guard. I, I think I think I think we need to get you a trophy for worst and least impressive brag on a red podcast. <laughs> I was a good intramural basketball. Oh, I was player. the best. I was intramural all stars, man. <laughs> I was the best. It reminds me of this uh one of my I'm a movie guy, you know, uh, when Doug Gray's on the podcast we talk about movies sometimes and one of my favorite movies is a movie called The Fantastic Mr. Fox. And it's a Wes Anderson movie. It's a stop motion animation. And one of my favorite lines is this, this fox played by Jason Schwartzman comes to the dinner table and he's got this big, huge trophy. And somebody's like, hey, what's that trophy? He's like, eh, I don't know. It's just a trophy I got for being an athlete. <laughs> and I think that's, that's what I need. I need to just carry a trophy around me to prove that I was an athlete, Jason. <laughs> I almost got drafted. I just explained this to you. You... <laughs> Whatever helps you sleep at night, my friend. Buddy, I've lost my mind. This red start has absolutely just caused me to lose my mind. It, it, it's been thoroughly, thoroughly. <laughs> oh, man. But how, how can you and I be optimistic about this team going forward? With yeah, all that we've said so far, how can we be optimistic? Because it's two weeks, and two weeks don't mean anything. And Joey Votto will hit better, for sure. And... Jeanette and Duvall and even Hamilton and Peraza will hit better. And Suarez will come back. And Shebler will come back. And at some point, Senzel will come up. Like, because it's just, it's just how baseball works. No team has ever finished with the winning percentage that the Reds currently have. <laughs> so they're not going to be this bad all season. Right. This is an anomaly. This is an outlier in any team season. Literally any team. This is an outlier in their season. Yeah, Matt, you're right. There's no question that you're right. But geez, it's I been, like when you tell me I'm right, Chad. <laughs> it's been tough to endure, though. It's been tough to endure. It has been unpleasant. <laughs> it has been unpleasant. But you're right. You're right. I mean... Everyone's upset, and everyone has a reason to be upset because they've not just been losing games. It's been embarrassing. The defense has been bad. You know, pitching, the bullpen certainly has been bad. It's been bad. But don't, we keep saying it, don't fall into thinking this is who the Reds are. The the, the players that aren't performing are going to perform. At, at least, I don't know how well, but certainly better than they have been. Joey Votto's going to be better than this. Even Adam Duvall. Who neither you or I think is, you know, particularly a great player at this point as a thirty year old, he's gonna be better than his one oh eight batting average right now. So yep. 
So this team is going to get better, period. Now, are they going to be good enough to make the playoffs like some idiot projected a few weeks ago? Well, okay, maybe not. But you know what? Maybe. I'm not ready to say no. All right. I've, I found something, Chad. Oh, I want to hear it. You ready? I'm not sure that I am, but I'm, I'm ready to take that chance. Because I was thinking about, as you were talking, I was thinking about last night's game, which was, for anybody who's listening later, it's the 12-inning game that the Reds lost. Scooter Jeanette had a home run taken away from him. He had another ball that was almost a home run, right? Yes, that's true. Either of those things happen, and the Reds win that game. Yeah, absolutely. In, in fact, four, three of the Reds' losses have been by one run, and another loss was by two runs. Those are all games that on different days, with a different set of luck, teams win. And in that circumstance, which is an extraordinarily easy thing to imagine, the Reds are 6-5 and four, five right now. Yeah, you're right. They're not that far. That's why you don't panic right now. Because not even two weeks of baseball games does not mean anything. I agree. I agree. You're right. I mean, there's no there's no question. We can't draw any grand conclusions. No. But I'll... But I'll, will, I'll go ahead. The rest will play baseball, and they will win some games, and the world will continue to turn. And uh, in fact, in fact, here, I'm going to make... I'm going to make a bold prediction. Are you ready to make to hear a bold prediction? Uh, it better be bold. It will be bold. All right. The Reds have three more games against the Cardinals. I, I'm, I'm not bold enough to predict that they will come back tonight. I'm sure they won't because let me just tell you something before you make your bold prediction. Right now, as we're recording this, do you know who's pitching for the Reds? Who? Cliff Pennington, the backup oh, shortstop. The backup shortstop. We're missing Cliff Pennington pitch, Jason. Well, anyway. <laughs> Make your bold prediction. I predict that the Reds will outscore the Cardinals in those three games and win at least two of them. And I predict that, that Joey Votto will hit at least one home run. Cliff Pennington just gave up a double. It's 13-4 to four now. Uh, I think that, Jason, I'm with you, man. I'm going to join in your bold prediction. Because that's baseball. The Reds are at home. They're going to win a couple. Of the, the Cardinals aren't playing that well anyway until tonight. Um, so, so that's that's a guarantee. Is it a guarantee or is it a prediction? It's a prediction. Because you're not going to guarantee that Joey Votto is going to hit a home run, given that right now, as we stand in the season, Jose Peraza has infinity more extra base hits than Joey Votto does. Well, I'm let me put it. I'm not worried about Joey Votto. I'm pretty sure Peraza is going to be a better hitter than Votto this year. I will take that bet right now. How much money would you like to put on it? I'm going to bet the ranch, baby. Okay. So everybody, at the end of the season, I'm going to own Chad's ranch, which is which is totally real. <laughs> exactly. Ah, oh, Jason. You know, okay, it's been awful, but I feel like we've kind of had fun during this podcast, and that's the point that I want to sort of send out to everybody out there in the nation. Come As, on. Let's have some fun. As Dr. Seuss once said, these things are fun, and fun is good. Exactly, and <laughs> it's just baseball. That's a that's a terrible thing to say to anybody that's listening to this podcast, because if you've listened this far into this podcast, you are obsessed with the Reds like we are. But man, I, I decided long ago, let's enjoy the good stuff and the bad stuff. Well, 
there will be some good stuff around the corner. That's that's the only way to approach Cincinnati Reds baseball. Otherwise, you're going to go just completely insane. Yes. What's the count here? Uh, three and one to Paul DeYoung from Cliff Pennington. Oh, my goodness, Cliff Pennington. He, he may be the reliever we've been waiting for. He's almost definitely better than uh, Giovanni Gallardo. All right, taking a long time to pitch. So, Jason, anything else we need to talk about? I, I think we've covered it all on this fine day chat. We've agreed some, we've disagreed some, but I'm going to make a statement here, and I want to know if you will join me in this sentiment. Okay, are you ready? I'm ready. Go Reds. Go Reds. Go Reds. That's something we can all... I like it when they go. Go Reds. Oh, absolutely. And I love it when Cliff Pennington strikes out Paul DeYoung looking. Oh, my goodness. To end the inning. This season is going to be great. Jason, thank you for joining me again, buddy. Always a pleasure, Chad. Absolutely. He's at Jason Linden on Twitter. I'm at Dotson C. We're both at Red Leg Nation. That's our site on Twitter and at redlegnation.com. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Stitcher. You can find us wherever you find your podcast. We're going to be there, especially with iTunes. If you leave us a rating and a review, it helps us. It's uh, We've been moving up the rankings, which is, uh, which is good. If you leave a review, I'm going to try to read those reviews. If you leave us a review this week, I'm going to try to read it on the podcast next week. And uh, feel free to say something ridiculous about uh, my... I don't think I have an accent, but if you want to say something crazy about my accent, add it in there. Just make sure you give us a good rating. And a good review. Um, follow us at redlegnation.com every day where we're talking about the Reds. And uh, and we're going to be here at the Red Leg Nation radio podcast all season long, for better or for worse. And we're assuming it's going to be, be better. See, I can't even talk now. This team's got me so screwed up. It's going to be better, right, Jason? It's going to be better. Jason guarantees it. For Jason Linden, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.